Times Like Now is an interview program. Interviews with interesting people doing cool stuff. I'm your host, Trevor Collins. And you can listen to past episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Pandora, Spotify, Google, and more. My guest today is the host of the controversial radio program, Ground Zero, Clyde Lewis, who for 26 years has been talking to people on the radio about aliens, Bigfoot, government conspiracies, and more. Hello, Clyde Lewis. Thank you so much for joining me on the program today. It's good to be here, Trevor. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I've been listening to, well, Ground Zero, and now I've been uh, catching you on your new show uh, for years going back. Um, I wanted to go back into your background and, and maybe tap into some of the earliest radio stuff that you did. How did you get into the game? I know what you've been up to and where you've been, but I, what I don't know about you, Clyde, is what was your first radio gig, for instance, and how did you get into it? Uh, my first radio gig was at KBBX. Uh, it was Utah's Golden Gospel Giant. It was in Bountiful, Utah. And it basically was a job that was given to me by a guy named Steve who ran a show called Tradio. It's kind of like the eBay of the airwaves. It was something where you know people would call in and if they had something they wanted to unload, they'd leave their phone number, they'd leave uh, their name, and you could get back to them. And, you know, it's kind of like Craigslist on the radio, I guess. Not more the Craigslist than eBay. And what I would do is I would go in and I would play tapes of uh, these preachers and Number number of other guys who were doing you know college campus Christianity, and uh, that was my job. And it's because he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to go back and have to change the tapes, so he just had me do it while he did his show. And uh, I got pretty good at it. And then I started doing my own production, the thing I uh, started on doing production in the background, making up funny skits and uh, doing voices and recordings and all kinds of stuff. And then they moved me to being a sidekick with him. And then uh, I worked with a guy named Wolfgang Gossett, who uh, was this Catholic priest who got into the paranormal a little bit, and uh, he dabbled in it a lot. And uh, what's really interesting about Wolfgang is, is that before he died, he told the world that he was uh, D.B. Cooper. And so uh, he's one of the suspects in the D.B. Cooper case. He's dead now. Uh, but uh, when I worked with him, he never said anything about it. And, and then, uh, you know, it's kind of cool that you know, I can go back and say, if they find out it's him, that everything I knew I learned from D.B. Cooper. So it's it's kind of a str strange story, but uh, certainly an interesting one, uh, how I got into radio. And then I, I moved into uh, that. I went into road construction, worked with my dad for a while. And then one day I was standing on a street corner uh, holding a, a stop sign, a flag sign, stop and slow. I saw this beautiful woman walk into this building and I followed her into the building all covered in tar. And I said to her, I said, I think you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I said, can I go out with you? And she says, I only go out with DJs. And I said, oh, you mean radio people? She says, yeah. And I said, well, I used to be in radio. And she goes, oh, no, no, you didn't. I go, yeah, I did. I used to do, you know, gospel radio, I said. It didn't really thrill her at all. And she says, well, I only go out with guys that are in real radio shows, real radio stations. And so I said, well, I could get a job in radio. Where's I said, where's the radio station? She says, you're in one. And I said, oh, I thought this was the police station because it was near a cop station. She says, no, this is a radio station. I says, well, what do I do to get a job here? And she said, well, you're going to have to make a tape. You're going to have to fill out a resume. I said, well, I don't have time to fill out a resume. So I grabbed a crayon. They had a basket full of crayons. I don't know why. It was some sort of a uh, thing they did for the kids or something on this radio station. And I, I grabbed a, a yellow legal pad and I made my uh, resume out of crayon. I did it all in crayon. And I gave it to the program director and the... And the program director 
was the voice of the Green Bay Packers. His name was Sean Mulhern. And uh, he called me up on the phone and he said, you know, you're the guy who gave me the yellow pad crayon resume, right? And I go, yeah. He goes, come in here. So he interviewed me and uh, he, I didn't have a tape. And he says, well, if you go into this studio, if you can, if you can run a studio and make a tape for me in 15 minutes and it sounds good, I'll give you the gig. And so he did. I did, and he did. And I worked at K-Light 93 FM. Uh, that station, K-Light 93, turned into KLZX, Classic Hits uh, Z93. And I became uh, an overnight AOR jock. And then I worked with a morning show called The John and Dan Show. And that was a really good gig. I was doing morning radio. And then I saw... Uh, yeah. I- I have to interrupt, though. Did you date the DJ stalker? Did I what? Did you date the DJ stalker, the woman that would only date DJs? Yeah, I did. And she wasn't very fun. Everybody wanted to go out with her, but I went out with her. I ended up going out with her sister, too. It was kind of interesting. We got a limousine and went out to the (laughs) opera together. It was weird because it was like, it was almost like this, back when when radio first started, it was like this incestuous family where everybody either dated somebody or knew somebody who knew somebody or knew somebody. And so it was kind of like, yeah, I'd go out with her, but she didn't, you know, she and I didn't get along, but I went out with her sister. We got along great. But, uh, you know, it, it was just, it was just kind of weird like that. And then I ended up, you know, station changes, but I remained and I did rock radio for a good while. And then I met a guy named uh, Rick Taylor, who eventually became Rick Emerson uh, here in Port- Portland. He's known as Rick Emerson, but in Utah, it was Rick Taylor. And I saw him do talk radio and I, and I just thought, Wow this is talk radio that I've never seen before. Cause I used to be raised on talk radio. My father used to listen to it all the time. And, um, and I said, this is what I want to be. I want to be a talk show host. Well, I wound up being a news guy. I worked, uh, I, I got a, a job working affiliate relations or actually an affiliate Western affiliate, uh, station relations and reporter for CNN. We had to go to boot camp in Georgia and I worked for that and I worked for Metro news and I did a lot of news. I did the crime beat. I did, uh, political a little bit. And then uh, I saw Rick do his shtick and I, I wanted to do that. So I ended up being his producer, a news guy, still working for an affiliate CNN because we were KCNR, which was a CNN affiliate. And then one day, Dan Bomas, a guy I worked with in rock radio, was a news guy, said, hey, I'm giving up my talk show. He says, uh, there's a spot open. And I was wondering if you'd be wanting to do a talk show. And I said, oh, I'd love to do a talk show. He says, well, you've got three hours to fill. What are you going to put in it? And I says, I don't know what I'm going to do. So uh, I was going to call the show Cult Radio to start. They discouraged me from calling it that because we were in Utah and they thought that it would have a really bad connotation for the Mormons. <laughs> so I changed it to Continuum. <laughs> Continuum, and they didn't like that name, so I just changed it to Ground Zero. And they says, well, what does Ground Zero mean? And I said, well, it's you know, it's the beginning and the ending to everything. It's when all things... You know, whenever things blow up, you have ground zero and everything's, you know, when things are cleaned out, it's ground zero. And I said, I, I want to be the beginning and the end of everything. I want to be the guy who says it. I want to be the guy that be the end, end word on all of it, the, the final word. And they gave me the gig and I did it. And now, what year was that? Show, What's that? What year was that? That was 95, 1995. Okay. And I called the show Ground Zero. Okay. And it used to be that when I did this show, I had like these long drawn out introductions and strange sounds and all this yeah. stuff. I was influenced by a group called negative land, which is out of Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I, I listened to those shows and yeah, that was, I, that was interesting stuff. Yeah. I remember that very well. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I used to do that. And then they told me, well, shorten up the montages. And I was like, you know, no, this is what I do. I'm a producer. People want to hear this. They don't want to hear me talk. So no, they want to hear you talk, believe it or not. And so um, I started doing more shows that were about strange things. Like I remember I did a, one of my first shows was, is Paul McCartney dead? Uh, the other one was, right. uh, you know, if I play my records backwards while I go to hell. You know, simple things that when I was a kid, I always wanted to explore and talk about. Nobody wanted to. And it became a hit. But then it started getting into conspiracy theory. And I started, uh, you know, remembering some of the conspiracy theories that my dad used to talk about when we were at Blackie's Barbershop back in the old days. It was a it was barbershop talk. Mm-hmm. And so I, I figured that what I was doing was barbershop talk, you know, conspiracy theory, what's going on in the world. A little bit of politics, not much, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, the the show is for for anybody who may not know. It's uh, paranormal, uh, parapolitical conspiracy stuff. But I've heard you called Alex Jones meets Glenn Beck. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't. I, I I'm, I'm Clyde Lewis. Uh, I, I you see. That's the thing is that you know people try to compare me. Well, what's really funny is is I've been around a lot longer than those guys have, which sure. is really weird. I yeah. Mean, I started in 95. No one knew who Glenn Beck was back then. Alex Jones was a guest on my show because he did a public access thing in Texas. And I heard of him. I thought he was crazy. So I had him on my show. The problem is, the, the problem that happened was, is that when I was going gangbusters, I was really competing and making things work. I got cancer. And so I had to kind of bow out for a little while. I was still doing my show, but I had to bow out and I had to recover. And I, I got hit three times with cancer. So while I was recovering from cancer, these guys were gaining momentum. Mm-hmm. And the only guy who knew about me was Art Bell, because I had worked with Art uh, trying to get him online. One of the first we were one of the first uh, radio stations to get him online to get his show all over the country. So Art Bell knew who I was and I knew who Art Bell was. And we worked together, he and I. And, uh, you know, I was working you know, towards being perhaps a fill in for Art. But then I got sick and I couldn't do it. And even when Art Bell uh, quit the first time, they were going to offer me the gig. But I didn't take it because I wasn't ready for it. I said, I don't want to be Art Bell's replacement. I said, I want to be Art Bell's replacement's replacement. He'll be more successful. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Mike Siegel got Art Bell's position when he left, failed miserably, and then they handed it to George Norrie, and he he's doing really well now. Right, right. Um, your show, well, when, and maybe I don't know what its peak was, but let's say at its peak, uh, how many syndications did you have? How many stations were you at? Like over 200? Yeah, I'm at, at about 200, 175, depending on the... The right. attitude. Sometimes right. program directors change, talk radio changes, and there are a lot of mandates going on now for more conservative shows. Um, I'm not considered a conservative show, even though I'm on conservative talk radio. I'm considered a middle of the road kind of non-political show, and sometimes that's not a plus for me because they want more political stuff. They want more. They want more of a love in with Trump than I'm willing to give. Um, and right. And I have no love. I have no love for Joe Biden either. So I mean. Whichever, and, and they find it hard to place me. So if I don't love right. Biden and I don't love Trump, who do I love? Well, I love me, and I love talking <laughs> about the paranormal. And I love talking about conspiracy theory. I don't love talking about those guys. But you know, well, we live in times where you cannot not talk about it. You know. Sure, sure. I mean, they've yeah, they've kind of a uh, in a in a Ghostbusters way, they've crossed the streams on a lot of these things. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, crossing the the <laughs> mixing the waters. I had a, a question. What this has been on my mind lately, and I've been holding off to talk to somebody about this, and I thought it'd be you. Now, okay. why has sixty minutes and the Department of Defense all of a sudden uh, come right out and said, "Yeah, we got UAPs. They, 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 they've rebranded them, recalled them. They're not UFOs now. They're UAPs. 
and 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 it's just like yeah it's it's like you know 100 years or 75 years whatever of deny 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 and blue book and everything else and now yeah we got them they're they're here and um you know and now we've got space force now where did space force go and do the two of those things have anything to do with each other i know space force was tied up in some lawsuits with over their logo which was just ridiculous silly looking logo but uh do you think that those two things have anything to do with each other space force and now all of a sudden yes they do i I think that uh, what had happened is that after a muamua was cited uh which was the interstellar uh, uh what's it where they were trying to decide whether or not it was a spaceship or something else i think president trump saw it i mean space force was on the books for a long time it's just no one had the wherewithal to say, let's do it. I mean, there was always these rumors of a uh, what they call a secret space program that the military was involved with when the military and the Air Force split in 1947. And it became the aerospace program. NASA is just a civilian uh, front for a space program. It's been very extensive. That's why we have Area 51. That's why we have all these other places where they do these experiments. We got, you know, a number of, uh, you know, skunk works and everything who do these things. So, yeah, we've been involved with a, a secret space program for a while. I think what Space Force has done is it's made it legitimate. I think that SDI or Reagan Star Wars program, they said that it went away, but I don't really believe it did. I believe they've been fortifying space with, uh, you know, weapons, but they're not nukes. They've been, you know, putting them up, putting weapons up there like kinetic weapons. Uh, there's something called the rods from God. There's something called... Uh, Project Thor. When you I mean, say all these up things there, were, where, where do you where do, when you say up there, where do you mean specifically exactly up there? Where in space, you know, no, and, up, and, up, and, up, and, up. A, and a, on the space station, on the moon. Uh, on well, a, are they exploding? Um, I mean, well, I mean, if you go back to the 1950s, like 1958, the proposals they had, uh, you can look at documentation that said that they were proposing space stations back in 1958 make them fully operational by nine, by 1969. The only problem was, is that by 1969, you know, we were kind of having this feud with Russia, but the, the feud was kind of, it, it was kind of silly. I mean, people think that the space race was that Russia was out to beat us in the space race. What it really was is that Russia was interested in space. And we were like that fat kid that couldn't get anything off the ground. Couldn't get it off the ground. And and that's why, and that's why uh, you know we decided to get in the space race is because, um, you know, we 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 saw what they were doing and we wanted to be just like them. Russia was ahead of us in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, we wound up with German and Russian uh, uh, engineers after World War II to build our space f- program. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, we called the German, you know, the German scientists with Operation Paperclip, and that's why. Uh, it happened was because, you know, we wanted to get that information from the Nazis and, and the Nazis had all the know-how. And that's why brought Werner von Braun into the mix and all the others too, because they, they, uh, they certainly had a lot of, and the Russians, they had their Germans too. So it was basically a way to create the missile gap, nuclear warfare, the standoff and space program because Sputnik was just a, what a spent casing or a spent rocket tip that went off into the cosmos and it really wasn't all that impressive, but we were scared to death of it because people say, well, how 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 uh, safe is our skies if we can't seem to control what's going out in space from another from an adversarial country? Mm. Well, yeah, I have been intrigued with this new this new uh, stance that they've taken um, and, uh, you know, and making the video 
public and putting it on 60 minutes and letting these guys talk who have you know seen these uh, crafts over the years and now it's you know they've, they've just kind of dropped the curtain and said you know i thought that the the, the shift i should say uh, is rather dramatic and 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 sudden so yeah um, it, it is very dramatic actually uh uh, I, I think what it is is that we get to a point where we just can't hide things anymore. Right. And, and that's the whole point. They can't keep hiding and making stuff up in order to get away with it. And soon it's going to be obvious that we have things out there or that China or Russia has things out there that we can't account for. Well, right. And my next question was then if if we admit in the, that these spacecraft unknowns are there, is this going to – how they'll keep – up in the budget, a military budget to make planes and other weapons to defend us against the UAPs. Um, you know, they just continuing the, the what will be now be the space war. If right, budgets budgets need to be had, and you know, there's been no budget for space. I mean, since the Obama administration, we really haven't put any. Uh, uh, you know, we mothballed the the space shuttle, and uh, Orion and the others were like all put on hold too. I don't know if. Uh, Biden is is friendly to space. Uh, all I think so, point from what I've heard. I I don't think so. <laughs> I'll <laughs> tell you why because uh, he he certainly um, whenever he's asked about UFOs or UAP he certainly skirts the issue. I mean even with Barack Obama coming forward and saying, well, I mean Barack Obama used to skirt the issue. Now he doesn't anymore. He's like, sure, okay, we need to look into it. Uh, and Harry Reid and John Podesta and Hillary Clinton. They were all behind this. And uh, now we got Marco Rubio involved. Mm. And I think what's going on here is we're seeing now a bipartisan view of this. And I don't think President Biden, I don't think he has any idea, just like President Trump. I don't think they have any idea what's going on because I don't think intelligence is speaking to the president. Right. I mean, when, right. when President Biden was uh, spoken to uh, recently about UFOs, he was with, I think this, he was with the South Korean, uh, uh, he was with the South Korean leader. And he says, Barack Obama has said that these UFOs are real. What do you think? And he says, ask him. And then he walked away. Uh, Biden has always been, uh, from what I remember, he has always been awkward and uncomfortable talking about space issues. Right. And and so I'm hoping that somehow he can get that vision again. Right now, his focus is on getting COVID taken care of, which he's doing a good job of. And his focus then will be on green matters. And this has been something that, Obama did. He basically took some of that space budget and pushed it into the green matters. And, and, and that's the thing. We need to find a balance here because I think that a lot of this is lopsided. I think we really, really want to go into space. What's our purpose? Are we going out to seek out new life and new civilizations? Hmm. Are we basically getting the UAP UFO situation uh, being brought forward as a threat so that we can ask for more uh, budgetary uh, openness about war in space? And I think right. I think, I think the latter is more uh, uh, the, of the truth than anything right. else. I mean, t- t- time will tell. We'll watch what develops. Wanted to, uh, speaking of COVID, um, what do you think of the vaccine? Uh, I mean, I just got my second shot today. Do I have a microchip in me? Uh, should the, you know, yeah. uh, what's what's going well, on there? What, I mean, what do, what do you I don't think? think? Well, I don't buy into these knee-jerk conspiracy theories that, that are basically there to detour the mind into places where, uh, you know, people who don't use uh, their heads go. And that's one of the reasons why I'm turning into the, I'm turning into the referee here. I'm becoming the guy who says, okay, well, there's something to this story. And let me tell you why there's something to the conspiracy theory. It doesn't necessarily mean that this is what is happening, but there is something 
that take that gives you precedent in wondering why people ask these questions or why they think they're getting chipped. Um, there have been, uh, in fact, uh, many patents that were produced before the vaccine was released that stated that they were be, be putting things in our bodies like what are called nanotech. That nanotechnology meets biology and that we have polyethylene glycol that basically takes the lipid nanoparticles and bonds them in the body for the mRNA reaction to spike the proteins to get rid of the virus. Well, people think, oh, nanites, immediately, chip. Well, yeah, they're, they're about the size of a, you know, a grain of salt. Um, they're about the size of sand. And, and we get nanobites and nanochips in everything we do. We eat them. We, we sleep with them. We have them in our paint. Uh, they're everywhere. And, and uh, they've been part of the equation for a long time. I remember, uh, you know, this was, this was talked about uh, many times where they were saying that there would be uh, Julian Assange had said, that there's magic dust or evil magic dust that's going to be put in a lot of things, including the food you eat, the clothes you wear. And it's because they want to monitor. I mean, a lot of people don't know this, but your clothing actually gets monitored because they want to know what you do with it, how you wash it, how you care for it, so they can improve upon the product. And that's done with nanotechnology. Uh, and so, yeah, I would say that there is nanotechnology in this in this vaccine. I would say that the vaccine is a technology rather than a vaccine because I believe that COVID-19 is a technology. It's a, it's a technology. Uh, it's not natural. Um, don't let them kid you. It's not natural. I don't know if the intent was to release it as a bioweapon, but it certainly was. Uh, there's certainly a lot of patents and technologies that were released from Canadian universities, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that show that they were trying to patent a, a, a mRNA type of uh, virus or a uh, SARS-CoV-2, and they were ready to release it, or at least to use a gain-of-function exercise. And this is what's going on right now with uh, uh, Rand Paul is asking uh, Dr. Fauci if there were any gain-of-function exercises that were carried out from Wuhan. He denies it, but he's being disingenuous because the government does carry out uh, gain-of-function exercises, and they've done them many times with the uh, advent of something called MK Naomi. And MK Naomi has been uh, has been part of the books where they were testing, uh, you know, poisons and radiation and uh, certain diseases on people without them knowing it, and then offering them the antidote. I mean, we yeah. can go back to the Tuskegee case with the uh, air servicemen that were shot up with syphilis right. Right. just to watch this to see what happened. There has been there has been cases, but tell me if I wanted to look into, or if anybody wanted to look into and read more about the the nano uh, conspiracy or nanotech that you're talking about. What's a, what's yeah. a, a good resource or, you know, a reputable resource to learn more about that. Aftermath.media. We have all the documents that uh, were released. We have them all on our, on our site. You, you subscribe to it. We gather the information and we have reputable sources that put that information in there. I don't get my information from anybody else. We originate our information and then we relay it. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of people that write on these topics, but we, when they write on them, I go deeper and say, well, I got to find out if this stuff is hyperbole or if it's reality. And most of the stuff that I produce and people always say, wow, you're always right. Well, I, I don't know if I'm always right. I just know how to do research and I have great recall. And, uh, you know, you can't just go on Google and say, uh, type in uh, something like microchips in, in my in my vaccine because Google will say, well, that's a hoax. There's no such thing as that. But there are uh, 
in fact, they were just saying the other day that they have patented a chip that uh, can basically activate if you have COVID or if you have some disease, it'll activate a, your phone and tell you, oh, by the way, you have a disease. I mean, they have these this new technology. We don't know if they're using it in the chips or in the vaccines, but we know that that technology exists. Right. I mean, so I, I know that, that kind of exists for for diabetes and whatnot in ways to test blood yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah. So, um, so after, well, I guess the, the most recent thing I've seen you or heard you and where others might be able to catch you at is channel weird. That's your podcast interview based yeah. podcast as well. And, yeah. and, and then again, are you still doing um, ground zero now? Yeah, I'm doing Ground Zero. We're on 135 stations across the country. Uh, we're heard on Aftermath.fm, which is an affiliate that we've created so that everybody can find us in one place. We have Aftermath.media, which is uh, what we call a digital playground. And we created it because we knew that people like me and others would be uh, uh, unceremoniously removed from the air or removed from the Internet if we said something or did something. I mean, the other day I posted a picture. I was doing a show about this whole uh, magnet challenge. I don't know if you've seen it, where people are putting magnets on their uh, I, injection sites. I that saw basically something about that. Tip in my arm. So I did a show about it, saying there was like a psyop, uh, saying something about it, saying that, you know, but here's the reason why people believe that there are magnetic particles in their, in their, uh, uh, in their, in their Vaccine. vaccines. Because there was an issue that came out in one of the um, malaria shots that said they were using magnetic particles to, uh, move it through the system a lot quicker. So there was a story, so people were assuming that this is why they have the magnet stick to their hand, not that uh, stick to their arm, not that, that maybe their Band-Aid has adhesive still on their arm and it's stuck to it. But I made a picture and I said, my show was called Magnetic Morph. And I, I made a picture of, uh, it was a cartoon picture. It was like a drawing of a magnet picking up a bolt and picking up a hypodermic needle. Facebook said it was, misinformation fault the picture itself was false information and it was meant to be a parody it was meant to be a satire and they and they basically said it was misinformation and should be taken down so you can't even you can't even joke about it you can't even create satire about it what's the website clyde uh aftermath.media you can sign up it's ten dollars to get all the stuff we've got videos we got uh, study groups. We've got documents. The documents I'm talking about are usually posted in there. Aftermath.fm. You can listen to us for free from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Monday through Friday, and that is uh, Pacific time. You're also, I read recently, in uh, a project with Lloyd Kaufman as the voice of Toxic Avenger. Yes. Is it the actual voice of Toxie? Yes. Is this a I movie am. or a cartoon? A movie. It's I a movie. The, the last movie they did was Toxic Avenger 4, The Tale of Two Toxies. And uh, I was both the Toxic Avenger and the Noxious Offender. Um, I'm kind of like the James uh, Earl Jones of Toxie because the guy who played him, they had his voice and it didn't work. And 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 so uh, I met Lloyd Kaufman in Park City and he discussed that he wanted to do another Toxic Avenger film. And so he had me come and do the voice and I was dubbing in all the stuff. I mean, they had the original in there and then I dubbed in my voice. And I became the voice of Toxic. Clyde, it's been very nice talking with you. I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, keep up the good uh, the good work. Um, may the radio waves be with you. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure being on, Trevor. And I really, really do appreciate this moment. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you, you again. Bye-bye. <laughs> 
Times Like Now is a weekly podcast of interviews with interesting people doing cool stuff. And you can find past episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Pandora, Spotify, Player FM, Google, more. Please subscribe to the show. Thank you to the letter J, Cody Robertson, for theme music. I'm Trevor Collins. I can be reached Trevor at timeslikenow.com. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking with you next time.